guys, more team. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old time hockey? Piss on old time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast. Here's Arden Caleb. Hello and welcome to Between the Stammers. We are rolling in a different studio today, so if things go awry, it's, <laughs> I don't know who's, somebody's fault, not our fault. We're playing fast and loose here. Yeah, Caleb Kirby here alongside myself, Art Aronson. Uh, what a difference a week makes. A week ago, we were talking about a Canucks eight-game losing streak. In fact, they had just two wins in 14 games, but they're starting to get it back together now. Three wins in a row against, I would say, quality opponents. Uh, I mean, a road win. Two of the wins were on the road. Uh, the one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which we just saw yesterday. We, of course, are recording this on a Wednesday, as we usually do. It's December 12th now. Uh, there was a game last night in the afternoon at in Columbus, Ohio. The Canucks came out on top 3-2. Before that, they had a nice victory over... The St. Louis Blues. A Bit of a pump show. Yeah, that was a 6-1 win on a Sunday. A day game. Uh, Canucks are starting to get used to the day games, I guess, yeah. on the weekends, right? And uh, the one before that was the slump buster, the 5-3 win, which I personally thought was the best Canucks game I've seen all year. Dude, how can, like, for the full 60, for sure. Like, they looked very, very dialed in in that game. And you know what, man? Even the loss against Minnesota, I thought they played well enough to win. It's just their special teams killed them, you know? And they've made some adjustments. And I think that is, you know, basically what's helped them, you know, win three straight. Yeah, so what 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 is the difference? I mean, we talked about them uh having just two wins in 14 games yeah. and then coming back with three wins in a row here. What's the difference? Well, I, I think you can't at, underestimate the health of a guy like Jay Beagle. You know, down in those bottom six, he uh, he's taking the load off of Horvat, who is just playing too much and taking pretty much every draw on the ice at all times and, and having to play a little more defensively minded, more matchup minded. Horvat's kind of been off the leash a little bit since Beagle's been back, and it's great to see him, man. Like, he doesn't look nearly as frustrated as he had looked out there before. Um, I think Beagle brings an energy that makes his line mates even play play better. We've seen that with him now paired up with Maud and Schaller. They've contributed not only, um, you know, with energy, but even with some scoring as well, which has been fantastic. Yeah, that fourth line's looked really good. Yeah. Tyler Maud, Tim Schaller, and... Uh, Jay Beagle, who you've been talking about here. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is changing the D up a little bit. Um, you know, since Del Zotto's been out of the lineup, the Canucks have won every game. And uh, the guy, man, like, I don't want to bust him up too, too hard, but, like, he takes bad penalties at bad times, you know, and, like, he took two penalties in that loss against Minnesota, and that was one of the key things that cost him that game. Um, so they've, they've brought Pouliot back. The, uh, a guy like Beagle has taken a lot of pressure off the Canucks in their own end. He gets those other guys going. I thought the third line's been pretty good. Louis Erickson playing good hockey again, not necessarily putting up the points, but man, he's been engaged on the boards. You can definitely tell when that guy is going and when he's not going and the kids are scoring again, which is awesome. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest point. I mean, you talk about all those things. You talk about those little defensive ch- pairing changes. You talk about Beagle coming back and giving you a solid checking line. But really, the reason they're winning is because the young kids, Patterson, Horvat, Besser, are all potting goals. Vertanen. Vertanen are all potting goals. Like, that's the real big difference. And for me, that's going to be the fine line between winning and losing this year. Are those guys going to come in and win the game for you? It's it, it's tough to do it every night, and that's that's why we've seen this team go up and down this year because I, of that. I don't necessarily agree with that, though, man. I think a big part of it is defense and knowing how to close out games, and I think that comes from some veterans. I really, really think Beagle is a bigger piece on this team than a lot of people give him credit for. And um, I also think that, uh, you know, like moving forward, you know, and having these guys... This is what happens when we yeah, record. Yeah, this is what happens when we're in a new studio. We got a lunch lady call. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think like one of the biggest things is taking the pressure off those guys so they can go and actually score goals. Right? 
the, that pressure off of Horvat is huge right now. Granlin stepping into that role as a third-line center with Roussel, who's also looked fantastic. It'd just be nice if he buried a couple more of those chances he's getting because he's getting like a breakaway a game right now at this point. Um, but those guys playing defense and then the offensive guys going out there and being offensive. I think like if you can have that for the rest of the year with two lines that have a solid um, – threat to score, then the Canucks, you know, they might have a chance to get back in this playoff race. They might. I mean, this year, they have the same, almost the same record as they had last year at this time. Yeah. Like, really similar. Uh, it seems though the optimism is on the up and up this year compared to last year. Yeah. And I why mean, is that? Well, Petey's a huge part of that, is he not? PD, I mean, Brock, now that he's healthy and he looks good again, I mean, scoring that Hattie on uh, Sunday was like a huge, probably confidence boost for him. Some of those goals were a little ridiculous the way that they went in there. But, man, I mean, you know, three-point game for him, five-point night for PD. PD had two points last night. Like, last night, the goals, the goal that Pedersen scored – was just off a tip-in, and it, like, he didn't even look like he was doing too much out there to me, and, like, he just got two points. Like, it's it's one of those things when you're that good of a player, the puck just seems to find you, and uh, that was awesome for him. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest, that's going to be the difference between winning and losing for this team. Well, and another thing is goaltending as well. Like, in these, in these past three, three games, Marky's been very, very good. Marky is, like, the reason why... The Canucks probably won last night. Like, he made some huge, huge saves, and Columbus played a stingy-ass game. Like, it was a bit of a boring game until, like, the last 10 minutes of the third period. There wasn't too many chances for, um, you know, either team. It wasn't really back and forth. It was a lot of, like, defensive shutdown stuff. But when the Jackets got chances, Marky shut it down. And he, I thought he played one of the best games he's played all season last night. Yeah, they shouldn't have been in that game, really. I mean, it should have been at least a 2-3 goal game before it got to the third period, and Columbus scored the 2-1 goal to go ahead. Markstrom was the reason. He was closing the door on the on the Blue Jackets, giving his team a chance to win. Yeah. And the S- final goal was a piece of crap by Corpusala, so goaltending was the biggest Cor- difference. Dude, but Corpusala played well too, man. Like, he... He made some pretty good stuffs on on the Canucks when they did have their chances, and they were few and far between. But he, for the most part, he played really, really well, except for on that Vertanen shot, which he took from like the sidewall, like near the goal line, and it just managed to find a hole. Mm-hmm. Dude, Vertanen's been unreal. He was in on, I guess two of three, two of the three goals last night, right? Vertanen, like, yeah, I mean, he was. I thought the puck went off him when that that uh, Levo goal went in they credited to Levo but like Vertanen was standing right there Mm -hmm. and man like he's been one of the best stories for the Canucks all season like he's been very 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 good and you kind of wonder if he would have had the chance to do what he's doing if a guy like Louie was playing up to the level that a lot of people wanted him to to play I I think that's kind of a positive like I mean (laughs) we've been looking for positives on this podcast from Erickson for a while now and uh, I think that might be a positive to uh, Louis's game is, like, because of the way that he's been playing, it's allowed other people to step up and, and find a role for themselves. And I really like Vertanen with Horvat. I think they work well together and they play well together. And it's going to be interesting to see who they pair him up with on the wing moving forward. Is it going to be Goldobin? I don't know. We'll see once this team gets even healthier. Yeah, Sven Berchi still waiting for him to return to the lineup. So they're almost fully, completely healthy, though. On the back end, they're healthy, which yeah. is nice, rare, and looks like both goalies are able to go now, which yeah. is, I think, huge because they push each other to be better. They yeah. have to, right? So, I, I mean, like with, with Berchi getting this close and then obviously with uh, Sutter, who they say will probably be back like right after Christmas, you know, what do you do with guys like Adam Gaudet? I mean, these are good good problems to have though right yeah yeah Yeah. i'm just curious as 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 to what you would do with him yeah i think if he's not going to get consistent playing time you should put him back to the ahl i think that's pretty clear yeah yeah i think he needs to play the guy needs to play okay and then with your top six the way it is and with a guy like berchi coming back who do you pull out Mm. i mean louis erickson's the whipping boy always but he's not even in the top six now i mean he gets 
put up there every every game, it seems, at some point during well, the game. Well, yeah, but I mean, the last couple games, he's he hasn't really been fulfilling that role. And you've had Goldobin, Horvat, Vertanen. Mm-hmm. And then you've also had Levo, who looks at home already with uh, Pedersen and Besser. Well, I guess the obvious choice is Vertanen because he can play up and down the lineup, whereas some of those other guys can't, right? Like, Goldobin has to be in a scoring position to be successful, whereas Vertanen can play a checking role. I think it's even if Vertanen doesn't, uh, you can call it a demotion all you want, but maybe he doesn't deserve it. But the fact that he can play up and down the lineup makes him more valuable, and it makes him able to makes them able to insert a guy like Berchi. I think. See, I I see your point, but I don't know if I agree with that either. Specifically, like I would like to see them take a look at uh, Berchi either on where Goldobin's playing now on the left wing, or drop down and see what Berchi can do with uh, Brock and Petey. But I, I think right now for me, like if I'm making that call as green, my odd man out at this point is Goldobin. If if Barchi comes back, just to get a look, right? Like he said he's going to be shuffling these lines around and we're going to see, you know, who's who and, and what's what. Like, I, I mean, you'll probably see Levo come out of the lineup at a point too. And we could see, you know, both Barchi and Goldobin there. But I, I'm really like curious to see how Barchi gels with both of those lines. Josh Levo, he's had three points in four games yeah. since coming on this team. I mean, he's inserted right there on the first line, so it's a little difficult not to get points with the way Brock Besser and Elias Patterson are playing. How have you liked the way he's fit on that line? Well, the thing I like about him on that line versus a guy like Goldobin on that line is the fact that he is insanely fast and he's not scared to muck it up in the corners. He's better at puck retrieval. And that's why I think Goldobin might lose his job because Berchi is is better than Goldobin at that as well, you know? Um, so could you see a trade in the future happening for this team? Yeah, 100%. I think they're what at— What would you trade for? They're at this point where they could try and take a guy who has some value and make a trade for him. Does Goldobin have any value at all right now? Well, he's got some points. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an offensive upside if he's playing with the right guys. I mean, we've seen that, but— you know, I think a lot of scouts are probably, you know, professional scouts look at his game not only defensively. I actually think he gets a bit of a bad rep in his own end. But I think when he is, you know, skating back um, out of the opposition's end and through the neutral zone and when he's on the forecheck, I think those are the weakest spots to his game. Okay. I mean, when you have depth, you get an opportunity. I mean, injuries are going to happen. So. We're just talking like as if this team's going to be fully healthy and yeah. they're going to have pieces to move, but we don't know that's going to happen, of course. I I would look at, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I, I'd look at maybe moving him and, and trying to move a guy like Del Zotto because he's on the last year of his contract. I don't know what value that guy has right now. I mean, I mean he's, he's not, not if even, he can't crack this roster. He's not roster, even cracking the roster. If he can't crack right? this defensive core, what defensive yeah. core out there is he going to crack? But if I was looking to move a guy like Goldobin, I'd probably be taking a flyer on an AHL defenseman right? and, and seeing if he can make that jump. Because I still think defense is, is what they need more so than anything else. Uh, later on in this podcast, we are going to come up with our most frustrating Canuck list. We had our greatest Canuck list we had uh, last week, which was a lot of fun. This one, I feel like, it's going to be so everywhere because it's, you it's think so, eh? yeah. Because I mean, we knew who like 90% of the players that are going to be on the greatest Canuck list. It's, you know, you can't really argue um, with merits on some of those players, but this one, this could be everywhere. This is just your most frustrating, your the shittiest Canuck, whatever. It can be, it's just very arbitrary. You know? Well, yeah, I think it's very arbitrary, but I also think it's somewhat fun to explain why you might be frustrated with some of these guys because there are certain Canucks players that are on this list that maybe are from like a smaller sample size of actually even being on this team, but they made such an impact on your impression of them in maybe a short window of time that they they cracked the list. Or maybe it's a person that is, you know, very good at times and very frustrating at other times and and they could make the list. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what you got here, Art. Yeah, I got a bit of a list here. Uh, before we get into that, though, 
uh, we might as well finish off uh, talking about the Canucks' recent stretch of games. They're below 500 at home. I mean, is that even surprising in the NHL anymore? Because home ice advantage just isn't what it used to be in the NHL or really many sports at all. I find that uh, teams are so close parity-wise and people, you know, they're able to win wherever they are. I mean, at the end of the day, usually most teams are above 500 at the end of the year. Usually. Yeah. But not much. Used to be like most of the wins would come at home. I think the greatest teams win at home, though, yeah. I, and I don't think you can argue that. I think that's in all sports across the board. It's like that, right? Like New England Patriots, Art's favorite team to talk about every week. Like they are dominant at home, you know. And then other teams that usually make the playoffs, like a like a Seahawks or you know, like a Denver Broncos, are another team that's pretty good at home. Um, are you worried that the Canucks have a losing record at home? I mean, yeah, they have a, they yeah have a, I am. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, obviously, if they have a losing record at home. And that's that's their biggest weakness is they need to step up that that uh, intensity when they are at home. And that's what people pay for, man. Like that that impacts like the fans dollar more so than anything else is like if your team goes out there at home and they lay an egg like who wants to pay to see that? Right. Aquilini can spend all the money he wants on things like stanchion lighting and a DJ that doesn't realize that Chelsea Dagger triggers the entire fan base. Um, he can do whatever he can to try and get those butts in the seats. But, like, at the end of the day, the team needs to be better at home. And I think the fans need to be better in that building at cheering their team on at home. Because, like, going to a Canucks game, man, like, there was a time, like, back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, Colorado came to town. That place was on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, people were riding every single player on that Avalanche team, and that place for the Avalanche was a tough place to play. Well, what makes a good home ice advantage, and what has changed in Vancouver? I mean, we always hear about Rogers Arena being, you know, a very quiet place, like a library. I've heard that a few times. What makes a strong home ice advantage in the NHL right now? I think one is just the team and an exciting product and and – uh, like ev- them knowing that they've come to play, but energy, dude. And I think a, a big part of the energy is is fan interaction and fans participating and fans having a little bit of hate for some of these division rivals so they can actually get into the game. I mean, like, look at a team like Vegas, right? They come into the league. Their home record is incredible. Partly, I think, because teams were going to Vegas and maybe having a couple of the night before or whatever and and not really knowing what to expect i think that that has been has changed a little bit this season but also man like that building is loud like it is rocking and having that fan atmosphere of people just going nuts and cheering and everything i think that's to their benefit i also think like um like nashville at the bridgestone arena right pretty rocking building during the playoffs they have like these little traditions and customs that the fans can get into. And like, I mean, even every time a goal gets scored, they play gold on the ceiling. They have like that chant of, you know, it's all your fault. You suck. Start going after the goaltender. Like that probably gets in the goalie's head a little bit as they're playing Winnipeg. Another just great example of like a raucous in arena atmosphere. And I think all those to their benefit. And one thing where the Canucks, may have kind of failed some more of their hardcore fans. It's just practices in the rink. You know, if you start cheering too loud sometimes, a guy will come come to you and be like, hey, you need to settle down. Like, even if you're not swearing, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, the patrons. Right? And they're they're trying to make it as accessible, like, to everybody. But at the same time, they need to realize that, like, diehard hockey fans are the people that can get that building going. Mm-hmm. It's not Finn, you know? Like, it's, Finn's a good mascot, but it's not like what he's doing out there is making any sort of difference. And if you see people in a building with, like, their cell phones out because they're looking at shit rather than watching the game or not doing something in between whistles to try and get the team pumped up, then it's a problem. The NHL, I find, yes, there are decided advantages to home ice advantage, like actual rule changes, rules, in the rules that makes it better 
uh, for you to be at home. So you get last change, you get the last stick on the ice for the face-off. But when you look at other sports, there are other things that I find way into that home ice advantage. So yes, it has to be about the home the home crowd because in the NBA, if you ever played basketball, you're used to playing on your own hoop. Like you're you're used to shooting on your own hoop. I always knew yeah. that whenever whenever I played uh, in high school, when I played high school, I, I knew going into another place, it sucked going there because I wasn't used to those rims. Yeah. It was different. Uh, hockey, it, I feel like it's really standard. The ice is standard. You know, the nets are standard. Yeah, and they have to meet a certain specific yeah. level of standard too, right? Yeah, and we're talking about differences in home field or home ice or whatever it is. In football, it's like... A, in football, it's it's pure just difference in the arena style, I think, is the biggest, like, stadium style, I would right? say weather, Outdoors, too, right? Outdoor, yeah. Outdoor yeah. in the stadium. That just makes a huge difference yeah. because you practice in that, and that makes a big difference in football. I'm just wondering, is it just the crowd that makes the difference in hockey? I think the, I think the crowd plays a really, really important role in hockey, and the, another thing I would say is boards. In some buildings, like yeah. some older boards and and guys know angles where to put a puck off of and that sort of thing. Joe Louis Arena used to have the yeah. wacky boards in the yeah. back, right? But you don't see that too much more. Well, I mean, in- even last night, like against Columbus, they were talking about the boards nationwide a little bit because a puck got uh, past Markstrom and ricocheted off and Panarin almost bagged one. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, like these are little things that players, players know, but I don't think it's near the extent of... You know, like baseball, every stadium's different. Like the dimensions, the mm-hmm. walls, mm-hmm. all that stuff is totally different. The yeah. weather's different. Like yeah. in, in baseball and And that's football, the point I was trying to make. Right? Yeah, what is it in hockey that's different? I think it needs to be, the crowd needs to be a little more hostile. I think Montreal is, is very good at it. Winnipeg's very good at it. Like these places are, are harder to play because the crowd gets into it and they go after, you know, whoever they're playing. The worst thing for any sort of professional sporting environment is indifference from the fans. Yeah. Because it, it also translates to television. You see it when you're watching a game. You hear the crowd noise. And when there's that that noise and those people participating, like, the game just feels more electric. I think Rogers Arena and the Aqualini group need to work on that. Yeah. I mean, in the old days, there used to be, you know, the old rinks used to have, like, really small uh, locker rooms for the opponent. You know, like, just little things like that. You would make it uncomfortable for the other team. I feel like with these new arenas, it's pretty standard everywhere with locker rooms, right? So I think that has kind of disappeared a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. There's other things, I guess, that uh, can go into it. I guess the Roxy just isn't good enough for Vancouver, <laughs> right? Well, dude, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird because you don't... Obviously, there's a line between, like, heckling and being, like, a complete asshole or unprofessional. There was that time where guys were bringing laser pointers in and shooting them at goalies' eyes and shit like that. Like, you can't fucking do that, no. right? But, you know, you can go after a guy and get under their skin for the game, you know, saying certain things, you know, uh, even chants. Like, I'd love to see more of that. I think the Viking clap that the Canucks have brought in this year is a cool thing for fans to do, and it gets them engaged a little bit more. But it's also, like, it's pretty vanilla for, you know, the diehard fans, and I don't think it intimidates the opposing team as much as, you know, like a really good chant. Like, um, in Winnipeg, a couple players couple playoffs ago when Anaheim was there you know they're calling Corey Perry Katie Perry when he was out on the ice yeah I like that like like the fans were having a lot of fun with it I mean you could even hear like the play-by-play guys and color guys giggle about it and 100% it like it'll get you off your game I mean those players they can hear they can hear uh, so what we're saying is it's not just us. It's not just the fan or it's not just it's not just the players, it's not just the arena. It can be the fans as well that can make a difference. Um hopefully the Canucks can play better at home. I mean, they do they weren't very good at home last year either. No, right? no, they yeah. weren't at all. So uh Rogers Arena, not a great home ice advantage from that point. But there was a time when it was fantastic. And I mean the power play was unreal at that time as well, but yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like some of the passion in that building is gone. It's 
well, you know, that, when, that when, comes with a team that hasn't been as successful it has in the past, though, yeah. too, right? And and rivalries, right? Like heated ass rivalries. We really haven't had. We have like you know our problems with Calgary pretty much every time they come in, but like the the actual hate of like the Bruins is gone. The Blackhawks, it's gone. Like, I don't think I ever experienced more hate for a team at the time than when the Colorado Avalanche and Vancouver were going at it. To me, that was, like, the peak of, like, everybody hating that team and it being, like, a very, very hostile place. So, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to see the Canucks build a rivalry with somebody. Um, and to do that, you got to be good because if you just beat, like, an average team, you don't really give a shit. Canucks have games coming up against Nashville and Philadelphia. These are not going to be easy games. Nashville's going to want some revenge after getting beaten pretty bad here in Rogers Arena. And uh, Philadelphia, they're Jekyll and Hyde for me. I have no idea what that team's going to be. They live and die by their goaltending. And their goaltending has been suspect for pretty much as long as we've been alive. You know, when your best goaltender is Ron Hextall, like, of all time... As Philadelphia, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in the modern era, Ron Hexall. And they, like, you think Vancouver's a goalie graveyard, man. They struggle. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting seeing guys like PD and Brock go in there and, and, and face off against this team. Um, the Nashville game is going to be very curious as well just because, you know, we beat them you know, pretty pretty well. Pretty handedly, yeah. yeah. And that's and, that's like the best team in the Western Conference right now. I yeah. think points-wise, I think they are. Yeah, um, I don't know. Have you heard any reports on the guys that were out? Do you know if Subban's going to be back or no? I haven't heard anything. No, pretty okay. tight-lipped on that. Uh, yeah, the Canucks are, or sorry, Nashville's first in the Central right now with uh, uh, 30, uh, 41 points. So they, uh, they're they well ahead of, uh, oh no, just a point ahead of Winnipeg. Well ahead of the Canucks in the standings, obviously. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be a tough one. Do you, sorry, do you think that the, these games are winnable? The Nashville, like the game tomorrow against Nashville and the game against Philly, do you think they're winnable games? I don't know about the Nashville game, but Philadelphia definitely is a winnable game. Yeah. yeah it, it'd be so nice to see them rattle off these two, though, man. Oh. Well, you got to make... Could you, you imagine? You have to make up for losing, you know... 12 out of 14 games, <laughs> you know, you got you got to make up that difference somewhere, yeah. right? I know, well, I think they've been p- playing good enough to do so. Like they they have the pieces back and it kind of feels like that Canucks team that we saw more so at the beginning of the year. I like that one two attack with Horvat and and PD is is back and not having to worry about defense and to me that's the biggest thing. Yeah. All right, well, that's our wrap-up for the Canucks, uh, at least for the last week of games, uh, three games since our last podcast. Should we do it? Should we get into the all-time frustrating Canuck team? Sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited, actually. I'd like to hear your rationale behind some of these players, and uh, yeah, let's, let's go for it. I mean, I did a full team here. I have four lines. Uh, I have four lines. I have four lines of forwards. I have three or six defensemen. I have two goalies, and I have a head coach. Two head coaches, actually. Two head coaches? Yeah, two oh, head coaches. Oh, nice. Uh, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Well, I, um, ladies first start. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so this team is uh, its a crappy team. It's not winning anything, guys. Hold uh, on, hold on. Is it is it going to be down at the bottom, or is it just mediocre enough that it's going to screw you on draft picks year after year. Yeah, it's mediocre enough. It's not winning. Oh, that's it's not the winning, worst. It's not winning any playoff games because oh. uh, you're not going to make it to the playoffs with this team. <laughs> uh, it's a team that you're going to be like, wow, you know what? They have a couple of pieces. Maybe they should challenge. And maybe they do just enough to, you know, win a couple of games here and there, get your hopes up. But no, it ain't, it ain't winning anything. And you're not going to get a bad draft or good draft pick because this team is just on that edge. Okay, so should we put out the disclaimer that when we're talking about the players on these teams, mm-hmm. we're talking about how they played as a Canuck, not indicative to the rest of their career? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll give you my my uh, first line. Let's hear it. Uh, one of the players plays on the Canucks right now. 
and he's been a whipping boy on, <laughs> <laughs> on, be- on between the Stanvers since its inception. Louis Erickson, sorry, but when you make $6 million yeah, and you took an entire year off pretty much from hockey, but you're still in the lineup, <laughs> you make this team. So Louis Erickson's on this team. Uh, Mark Messier is the center on this first line. <laughs> And this is one of the greatest players in NHL history. Third all-time in points. Do I have to explain why Marc Messier is on this team? I'd like to hear it. Okay, well, he just set this team back. He set this franchise back. I mean, we hear about the contract that he negotiated on a napkin. Some of those things that came from that, like he got his own condo, like high-rise condo. He got, you know, all these little things uh, that he wanted. All you can eat Lay's potato chips. Yeah, all you can eat Lay's potato chips. I think, you know, he got like valet service to the rink every game too. And I mean, he was making, at the time, it was a lot of money, six million as well yeah. himself. Yeah. Which was, you know, at that time, it was one of the highest paid contracts. Uh, and, you know, he came in as well and he stole Trevor Linden, you know, the C from Trevor Yeah, Dungeon. which is brutal. One of the worst things ever in Canucks history. Yeah, it was just such a slap in the face. And he also insisted that he had he got number 11, even though the Canucks had unofficially retired the number 11, which I'm not that pissed about. But yeah. it's still like, come on, man, you know? Right? So he makes the list. Him and, well, like him and Keenan. I remember that, man. This fan base was pissed. Yeah. About all that stuff. They were a tag team yeah. ruining this team from within. Yeah, after they ripped our hearts out in 1994 as well. So, I mean, yeah, I, I see why he's there. I don't forgive that guy. No, how can you forgive that yeah. guy? He even put up decent points a few a few, a few, few seasons there, but fuck it, doesn't matter. I think he's outproducing Louie, if you look at their numbers year on year. Oh, yeah, I think he did outproduce Louie. So those two are going to be a tag team on the top line, That's just the top pissing line. everybody off. Uh, and the right winger, I mean, it could be anybody, but... I have Taylor Pyatt on the right wing. <laughs> uh, great mm, eyes, Taylor Pyatt. Yeah, smoky, beautiful eyes that all the girls loved. I know. I used to talk to girls, and they'd be like, mm, Taylor Pyatt. I'm like, really? Taylor Pyatt? I guess he had nice blue eyes. So that's your top line. Yeah, and Taylor Pyatt also, I think he scored 16 goals one year. Yeah, That was like his most impressive thing. He got a contract out of it as well. And no, there was nothing I like about Taylor Pyatt. <laughs> um, second line, this is just, I'm just going to rattle off these players, okay? So Byron Ritchie. Give me positions. Positions. Okay. I want positions. Uh, I mean, does it really matter, yeah. positions? Yeah, throw them left wing, throw them center, throw them right wing. I want to hear it. Okay. Um, the center on the second line, Cody Hodgson. Okay. Very frustrating for a lot of reasons. I mean, he was a high draft pick on this team, the 10th overall pick that one year, and he was supposed to be the future captain for this team. Yeah. And he showed some flash and dash, man. Like, he, when he first came in, he uh, scored a couple of goals. We were like, this guy's not bad. But then there was whispers about him wanting more ice time. There was, whether it was from him or it was from his camp or his agent or what it or was. his dad, yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. It was yeah. weird. There was a strange relationship going on. And the team was good. The Canucks, yeah. you know, the Canucks had uh, finished again first. This was the year that they lost in the first round of the LA Kings, I think. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, and the the team was good, and yet he was still complaining. His camp was complaining that he wasn't getting more ice time, even though the two centers ahead of him was Ryan Kessler, were Ryan Kessler and Henrik Sedin. I don't, I don't understand how you're going to get more ice time than those two guys. Yeah, fair enough. That's v- a good pick. Very I like fr- it. Very frustrating. Um, also on this line... Uh, Brad Isbister. I don't know if you remember him. I remember Brad Isbister. Fuck, he was bad. He was just—he <laughs> was just so frustrating. He was a a big body out there. He, they gave him a pretty good run too. They yeah. gave him top line minutes, and I guess he like—I don't know—he showed some flash and dash a little bit in uh, the New for the New York Islanders. But he was—he was—it was the start of his end here in Vancouver. I fucking love that you have Brad Isbister on this list. Yeah. I don't have him on mine. I'm like kind of mad I didn't put him on mine. He should be on your list. <laughs> so Isbister, I have him on the left wing, I guess. He's okay. going to be the left wing. Um, Santa on this team, this is a guy that the Canucks drafted high and he was supposed to be like a cornerstone of this team when he got drafted. 
uh, or sorry, he's on the right wing, sorry, because uh, Hodgson's in the center. But uh, Josh Holden, yeah. he was a fourth overall, fourth overall draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And nothing. We got nothing from this guy. Mm-hmm. Josh Holden. Bust. Bust. He's one of the biggest busts in Canuck history that nobody talks about. Yeah, that's a good call. Way to bring up the past and really piss off our audience here, Art. Yeah. I'm liking this. Yeah, so, yeah, the second line, we got Isbister, Cody Hodgson, and uh, who did I say? Holden. Holden, yeah. So that's the second line. Uh, third line here, uh, Byron Ritchie on this team. Byron. He was brought in from the Calgary Flames to be like the ultimate glue guy, the ultimate uh, grinder on the team. <laughs> and I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, man, this guy's going to take Alex Burrow's oh, spot. Man. I really thought that. He was going to take Alex Burrow's spot. I was surprised by this one. What do, you, what do you honestly have against Byron Ritchie? I just don't like him. I don't like his name. <laughs> I don't like his face. I I don't like how he was brought in to take Alex Burrow's spot. The only okay. thing the only thing positive from him coming in was Alex Burrow going, "No, fuck this. No one's taking my spot." Stepping the game up. Stepping again. his game up. So that was really the only good thing out of that. So Byron Ritchie, just another plug. He's a plug. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, NHL player, but yeah. Right. Sure. He's an NHL player. <laughs> I mean, so is Mark Messier. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> third also, all-time employees. <laughs> Richie. Yeah, really, yeah, third all-time employees. He's on this team. Uh, uh, so he's uh, Richie. I think he could play center, but he's also on the wing. Um, center on this team, Lyndon Vay, softest player in Canuck history. Okay, I might have an argument for you there, but... He's one of the softest players in Canuck history, and he got a lot of run on this team. He did. Like, they gave him power play time. They gave him top six time. They wanted him to be a player on this team. Did you know that there is, like, a little small sect of, like, Canuck Nation that defends Lyndon Vay? Because of, like, what was going on in, like, his personal life, which is fucking crazy at that time like that conspiracy to murder story between his parents yeah like insane but but we're talking on the ice we're talking on the ice here and i i agree with you man he he just did not do enough and he got so much rope he's a plug okay and you know who he's gonna center (laughs) on this on this line he's gonna center michael chapu Oh, Chapu's on this list because I just I hate his fucking name. <laughs> and I just he he's still in the NHL. I know he is. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, and the other winger on this line, this is this is like an all Willie Desjardins line. Jason Magna. Oh man. So Lyndon Vay, Jason Magna, Michael Chapu, pretty solid, all frustrating third line. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, fourth line here. Uh, do you remember Jason King? He came in and scored a bunch of goals. Yeah. And then everybody was like, wow, he's going to be great with the Sedins. Yeah. Nope. Flame out. Total Nothing flame after that. Out. Terrible. Um, this guy, this is kind of mean that this guy is on this list. Um, I'm putting him on this list just because I did. I met him in person. I didn't like him. King? Or no, the no, no, next no. guy you're This talking next about. guy on this so list. So King's your w- winger on, sorry, your fourth line? Yeah, on the fourth line. And then is this your centerman? Uh, I guess so. I guess he can play center. <laughs> uh, Jim Sandlack. Oh, Jim Sandlack. And he played a lot of minutes Yeah, on this team. He's not, Back he in wasn't the day. good. He wasn't good. I met him in person. Yeah. I was like, this guy's not cool. And I was only a kid at the time. I'm like, <laughs> I don't like this guy. The only thing I remember about Jim Sandlack was back in the day when UTV was still around. Mm-hmm. He had a commercial where he'd like skate up and then he'd like spray the camera with like ice as he stopped. And he's like, hi, I'm Jim Sandlack. And he was talking about like the Canucks for kids, yeah. like all that sort of stuff. And he was the spokesperson for that. But mm-hmm. like he barely played, you know, he, he had like some ice time in some games, but like he was a scratch all the time as well. Yeah. 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 Jim Sandlack. He. He's played. He played a few games with the Canucks. <laughs> I don't know why. And he, you know what? He scored forty goals with the London Knights. That's how he got drafted. Mm. And then yeah, he came to the NHL, and he was just nothing, nothing. Jim Sandlock, nice way to reach in there. Yeah. Um. And I guess I just put this list on because I have to. For some reason, the Canucks, they liked brothers, NHL brothers of stars. Uh huh. 
so Fetter Fedorov's on this list. Son of a bitch. <laughs> He's not good. He was not a good player. He uh, and he didn't really have a huge run with the Canucks, but I have to put him on this list just because of the name. Yeah. You know? And Fair enough. I wanted to put Steve Curry on this list, but he actually did a few good things Dude. for the Canucks. Yeah. You if know? you look at Steve yeah. Curry's totals as yeah. a Canuck. Yeah. Not really a bust. Not terrible. Yeah. I can't I can't put him on the all frustrating list and we're not getting Paul Korea, obviously, but Fedor Fedorov was just so bad. Nothing. And <laughs> the fact that he didn't really play that long on this team, maybe he doesn't deserve to be on this team. But the fact his last name is Fedorov. He's on this list. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's let's hear the D. Uh, the defense. This is um, I, this might stir a few people. So I got Alex Edler. He's, oh, <laughs> shit. And Alex Edler's on this list because. He took an entire year off from hockey. Quite possibly the Canucks' greatest defenseman of all time. Yeah. Alex Edler is on this list. He's going to talk. He's going to log 30 minutes a night on this team, on this all frustrating <laughs> team. And he's going to shoot the puck into the other team's, into the other forwards' chin pads all game long. Yeah. He's is gonna he going to break it. any sticks while doing it? He's going to break some sticks. He's going to miss the net. Even though he didn't miss the net, uh, he actually did a good job on that uh, Levo goal, I guess, or maybe it was Vertanen actually putting the puck towards the net. He has the hardest time putting the puck towards the net. I, like, of any top-pairing defenseman I've ever seen in any show. He history. telegraphs his shot like a motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. And his wind-up is like half an hour long sometimes, it feels like. And his indifference last year like this guy just took the entire year I, off man i i like i don't know if i agree with that i think the year before you could say that but last year once we found out those sedines were retiring yeah. i thought he was one of our best players night that, in night out that was near yeah no okay no alex edler <laughs> you pissed me off okay we were touting you as the next nick lindstrom yeah we yeah were. yeah people were yeah, you're right. So fuck that. You're a frustrating defenseman. I don't care if you're the best defenseman on this. <laughs> Quite possibly the best Canucks D-man of all time. Him and Olin, right? That'll be the argument. Yeah, for and, a bit. And Edler's gonna have the greatest, the the best numbers of any yeah. defenseman. So also on the, you know who Edler's pairing is gonna be? Who's he with? He's with Shane O'Brien. Sob. Sob. You're I, going after Sob? I hate it. Sob. Oh, buddy. Every time he was on the, I'm like, this guy does nothing good for this team except be an idiot. Have that <laughs> stupid look on his face. He'd get burned, and he'd be like, oh, I don't know what happened. He did get burned a lot, but oh I thought God. he brought some toughness. He brought some youth. That's that's it. That's what he did. He brought some toughness. He liked the Roxy a little too much, probably. Yeah, you know what? He's yeah. great. He's great in the intermission segment right okay. now. That's yeah. the best thing he's done for the Canucks. Fair enough. Yeah, Shane O'Brien. But you know what? He's an NHL defenseman, okay? That's why this team is not going to be the worst team in the world. Okay. But it's going to be just bad enough and just good enough not to get you a top draft pick. That's now, that's even worse, man. I know. It is. That's like purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second line, do you remember Jason Strutwick? Yes. Not good. You didn't like Strutty. I hated Strutwick. And this guy played a lot of years for the Canucks. He played four years I think you're being Canucks. a little hard on him here. No, no. This guy was supposed to bring grit and be that, like, bottom-pairing defenseman. Yeah, he was. But, man, this guy got burnt a lot. And he just they just kept rolling him out there. I, I wouldn't put this guy on my list, man. He's on the list. He's on the really? List. He's on the list with Jason Garrison. Jason I'm not going to argue Jason Garrison. Jason Garrison. Go to town. Jason Garrison got huge run when he came. He was supposed to be a top-pairing defenseman. They were going to throw him out there on the power play, and he had this huge shot. Um, fuck, I hated Jason Garrison. He was old lead feet. He couldn't make a pass either to save his life, a stick-to-stick pass to save his life. Like, you watch Erica Branson try and forward the puck on the Canucks right now. He's not fantastic at it, but he makes Jason Garrison, like, he... Um, Jason Garrison makes Erica Branson look like fucking Duncan Keith out there. He was <laughs> terrible at passing. Fuck, the he was out of such a end. bad skater too, man. Let's I don't see. know what the hell it was when he got here. He just couldn't skate worth shit. And then he went to Tampa Bay and they went to the fucking Stanley Cup final. I know. And it looked like he improved. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. I hated him. Uh, and the who's the he with? Uh, he's. He's oh, with yeah, Jason Strudwick. Yeah, he's okay. with Strudwick. And who's your bottom pair? Uh, Alex Biega, who's on the Canucks <laughs> right now. <laughs> poor guy. He's still, he's, he's still, he still gets thrown out there. He's the tryhard in PE class 
That's what he is. Okay, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Biega or Del Zotto? I'd rather have Del Zotto. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, Alex Biega is, you know what he is? He's that, he's that guy in PE class that tries really hard in, to impress the teacher and his actions piss off the people who are good at sports in PE class. That is a mean thing to say. I know. You know those people. That is the meanest thing you've said on this podcast. <laughs> you know you know that person, though, Yeah, right? I do know that person, man. That's Alex Piega. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and he just keeps getting tossed out there, oh, thrown way. out there. You know who his? Another tryhard. Who his winger? <laughs> oh, no. who his Who his partner is? Okay. Mike Weaver. Same guy. Almost the exact same fucking defenseman. Dude, remember when McKeever and Weaver were on the team? (laughs) And it was like, here's Weaver. Weaver to McKeever. (laughs) 100%. Is Mike Weaver not the exact same player? Yeah, he's very, very very similar. I remember they they throw him out there, though. He would, at Lane Vigneault had a little bit of a hard-on for Weaver. Weaver to McKeever. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I hated him. Yeah. I hated Mike Weaver okay. more than I think I hate Alex Biegan. I don't like Alex Biegan. So, so a guy like Andrew Alberts, he doesn't make your team. Mm. The dump truck. He's not good. He's not good either. Sure, he can be the seventh defenseman on okay. his team. Okay. Uh, no, I like how you thought this out. This yeah, is good. I thought about it a little bit. Uh, my defense, or my goaltending here, okay. This is going to be controversial? controversial to say. Interesting. So like this it. guy is the reason, in my eye, that the Canucks didn't win a Stanley Cup during the early 2000s. Dan Kluche. Klutz. The Klutz. He's going after him. And you know my problem with Dan Kluche? Let's hear it. He would always let in that goal. Yeah. That you that you just you just can't do it. Yeah. And it was always at the inopportune time. Yeah. And it was in the clutch third period. Remember a lot of people used to call him that because yeah. he was so unclutch? Yeah, he was not yeah. clutch at all. He was very frustrating, but somehow he would rack up 30-plus wins every year. Yeah, he had like four straight 30-win se- seasons. No, and you know why? It was because the team in front of him was fantastic. Yeah. And he was not. And he played just well enough to keep that number one goal uh, goalie spot. And this was this will forever be a black mark on... Brian Burke's time in Vancouver that he couldn't get a number one goalie to backstop this team to the Stanley Cup final. That's your issue with Berkey's regime here. Yeah, it is. I think I think that's pretty fair to say. I I, I don't think I think ninety percent of Canuck fans will agree with you. Yeah, there. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, his backup, Gar Snow. No, really? Yes. Okay, Gar Snow. Like this guy was brought in as well to be a number one goalie. Yeah, couldn't do, couldn't it. do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. And he was here for a few seasons, and now he's gone on to be the world's worst NHL GM as well. <laughs> I know we're t- I'm taking You're shots here. You're spitting fire here. You're I'm spitting shots. Acidic fire. Yeah. Um, so there's my goalies, Kluche, Snow. Uh, Kluche will be the starter on this team because he'll win just enough games for you. Yeah. To fuck things up. Well, in the draft. I mean, four thirty plus. Yeah. Uh, so, so the head coach on this team, we'll this, stand on his head till it till it matters. That's right. So the head coach on my team, I mean, these guys, I have an assistant head coach and a head coach. All right, let's hear them. All right, these guys are interchangeable, right? They're going to work together to fuck things up. <laughs> um, Tom Rennie. I feel like everything in Canuckland sucked when Tom Rennie was here. Dude, you're not wrong. Yeah, and. His assistant coach, I guess, will be Willie Desjardins because I think he's the worst coach in Canuck history. Fuck, you know, Tom Rennie, man, like he just seems to leave like a wake of destruction everywhere he goes. Yeah, and now he's the president of Hockey Canada. Canada. Yeah, and I met him and he says, every time I see him, I'm like, this guy's slimy. There's something off about him. Dude, like in the early 90s, he was like, people talk of the town. I know, I know. You know, like he comes here, he... Does what he does. He goes to Edmonton. He does what he does. He's yeah. in Hockey Canada, and we got the Strom brothers and all that crap that happened underneath them. It's yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And I don't know when you see him on the bench, it's just like there is a guy that just you have no confidence in. You know, he just doesn't look like a winner. Him and him and Willie Desjardins, they both don't look like winners. Okay. On um, and Willie chewing with his overbite, really. No, don't get me started with. I think he is. Well, he just always looked nervous to me, and and maybe part of that's like biological with him. But um, and you know, like you don't want to make fun of a guy for that, but like he he just never seemed comfortable back there. And he made 
just blatant mistakes. Like, he'd have an offensive zone. His fucking deployment was the worst. And he wouldn't put his best line out there. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, man? This is like hockey 101. And it was coming out of like a media timeout or something. Everybody's fresh. Everybody's ready to go. And he'd throw out his fucking third line. He'd throw out fucking Michael Chaput. Yeah. Jason Magna and Lyndon Vay. And it would just, it would drive me nuts. I don't disagree with the coaching at all. All right. So there's my all time frustrating team. Just good enough as well to finish maybe ninth, tenth. You know what, Art? I think I might have the edge over you (laughs) when it comes to frustrating teams. But there's going to be a lot of repeats. I'm I'm telling you, you picked a pretty damn good team. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm uh, I'm very impressed with the team that you picked, and I think I only slightly out annoy you with my Canuck. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Okay. First line. Yeah. Left wing. Peter Nedved. Yeah. Okay. Fuck that guy, yeah. man. For what he did to this team and how high we picked him, we could have had Yager. Yeah. We picked fucking Nedved. <laughs> Nedved held out. Was it just a complete bitch-ass diva to this team. Set him back. It's true. This that guy definitely could make could make the offense. You know, team. and he would be on my top line, and they would be just good enough mm-hmm. to keep us out of the basement and just shitty enough to keep us from competing for you know moving into any round of the playoffs. I like this. I feel like he could probably take Feder Feder off spot on my team. Yeah. Okay. He should. He probably right. should. My uh, center man for my first line. Yeah, Mark Messier. Oh, I think that's a fucking lock. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, my right wing. Louis Erickson, I think that's a lock too, man. I think you got to put him there for uh, his performance right now. And then I have a lot of Canucks on this team that have come from deals with the fucking Florida Panthers. <laughs> okay. And it's it seems to be like a running like joke almost. How many players we've gotten from the Panthers that have been just colossal busts? Are you not throwing Brian Allen in that list, are you? Just wait. We'll get there. Okay. Um, second line. Left wing, David Booth. <laughs> oh. David Booth is not only a frustrating human being when yeah. you hear him open his mouth to speak, yeah. but on the ice, he's one of the softest guys I've ever seen play in this uniform, oh. and he only scores when a game doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, down five nothing. Oh, here's a David Booth goal. Yeah, in the third period with 17 seconds left. Yeah, like just so frustrating to watch at times. Yeah, you know, and they brought him in as like the answer for Kessler's winger. True. Remember that? Sure. We're like, oh, yeah, Booth and uh, Kessler and Raymond are going to play together, and they're going to do some damage. He never did anything. Yeah. He was one of the most frustrating. Even Tortorella didn't understand him. People were touting him like a 40-goal scorer. I know. Sucked when he was here. (laughs) My centerman on that second line, another softy. Yeah. Break out the Charmin. Kyle Wellwood is in the house. And Kyle Wellwood, I like him as a dude, man, but he was... He did not know how to check. Mm, he no, was insanely true. skilled. Yeah. Insanely skilled. And every once in a while, he'd show like a flash of brilliance. Yeah. And then for like seven, eight games, he'd just poof, disappear. I feel like he did enough good things not beyond my... Really? Yeah. My buddy ran, him, ran into him one night before Canuck game at the Roxy. Old chubby The night before. Wellwood. And he was just like, he's like, I don't care. Like he basically said he doesn't care that he's got to play the next day. And that's why it's a big reason why he's on my list. <laughs> oh, um, Kyle Willwood, like that. My second line is my softy soft line. So I got Booth on the left wing, Kyle Willwood at center, Taylor Pyatt on the right hand side. This yeah. line is not going to check anybody. <laughs> they were just waiting, like they're up there cherry picking past the blue line, waiting for the puck to hit their stick. Yeah, you know, Taylor Pyatt, I think, is a well deserved guy on this list. You've talked about him ad nauseum already, so I'm just going to keep moving. Okay, third line. Left wing, Jeff Cowan. No. Yeah. The Barbarian? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. He couldn't win a fight. He fought all the time. And, like, props to him for being an NHL tough guy and, you know, going to battle every single night. But win one, man. He was getting jerseyed and, like, dummied every single time he got into a fight. And it would frustrate me because I'm like, man, I know this team's tough. Like, we have some tough guys on this team, and Cowan's shedding them, but he never wins. That, and he wasn't that good of a player. No, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't say Whatever. He's just a whatever. Okay. Uh, Art's yeah. got a soft spot for old Jeff Cowan. The Bravarian. Yeah. That All was right, exciting. Fair enough. Exciting times in my life. Uh, centering that third line, Fedor Fedorov. Yeah, he's yeah. on yours, too. Same, same reason. 
Yeah. Exactly. Dude, like, I mean, especially when you're younger, you're like, oh, he's the brother of Sergey. Like, he's got to be good. He played with his brother growing up. Oh, he's going to be amazing. Did nothing yeah. when he was on the Canucks. And it was a short stint. But it was short enough for everybody to be disappointed. It was only one season. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, this guy clearly can't play in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw a guy on the right-hand side, and you might disagree with me here, uh, Steve Bernier. I thought Steve Bernier was a better player than he ever showed on the Canucks. I thought he had the potential to always be better than we ever saw him. And it was things like getting in front of the net, setting up screens, tipping pucks, being hard on the wall. I was always a guy who was like, man, like, Bernier, you're huge. Like, you're big, big body. But he just didn't check enough. And, um, you know, I don't have any, like, personal vendettas against the guy. He just – I wanted more out of him. I wanted more out of almost all of these guys. Yeah. But Bernier, to me, is like – it's a sad miss that, um, you know, from when he was a Canuck, I thought he was a better player than he ever showed. I mean, he was a great skater, right? Yeah. That's pretty much why he was at the NHL level. But really, in Vancouver, he never really showed any scoring touch whatsoever. Uh, my fourth line art is very similar to your third line. Mm-hmm. I have on the left wing, Jason King, for the same reason. He just came out of the gate <laughs> so hot and then yeah. just disappeared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? They called they had the mattress line. Yeah. They called them. Yeah, the two twins and a king. Two yeah. twins and a king, the oh. mattress line. And, like, I mean, for, like, the first two months of the year, everybody was pumped on Jason King and then, poof, gone. Yeah. Right? Um, center... Michael Chaput. <laughs> yeah. Um, the name alone. I mean, I, it's, yeah, I mean, you don't really have to explain it too much. That was just some of the worst hockey we've ever witnessed it is. as Canucks fans. It is. When he was out there. And, I mean, his buddy that he's rolls hot with, Jason Magna, on the right-hand side. <laughs> nice. Those two together, man, they, there's nights where I'm just like, fuck, we're getting routed by Arizona 5-1. to one. Why am I even watching this game? And, uh, yeah, so those guys are on my frustrating uh, – those are my frustrating Canucks forwards. Yeah, it's a good list. Thank you. Very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> on defense, Alex Edler. Yeah. For the exact same reasons that you said. he's, Dude, I think he will be, by the end of this, the Canucks' best D-man, but, like, oh. he's just so Jekyll and Hyde. He's so hot and cold. What does that tell you about the history of Canuck defensemen? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, he's paired with Yuri Slager. Yuri Slager. I thought about Yuri Slager as well. Yuri Slager could not hit the fucking net on a power play. Yeah. The puck would go on his stick, he'd wire one, and it would go over the goalie's head and hit the glass almost every single time. Mm -hmm. And that just used to drive me crazy as a kid. And I think my dad kind of ingrained a little bit of Yuri Slager anger with me because, like, almost every time you'd hear him, like, curse under his breath when Yuri Slager took a a clapper. (laughs) And I think it's kind of passed down to me. Um you know, watching the Canucks at that age when I was a kid. All right. Um, my second de- par- defense pairing is a pair of Florida Panthers specials. Mm-hmm. We have Jason Garrison. Again, <laughs> nice. I credit you. Beauty call on that. And then on the right-hand side, Keith Ballard. Oh, Keith Ballard was frustrating. Yeah. That's a good one. He was a guy who showed so well at times, and yeah. then other times he just made the biggest gaffes back there. And I totally understand why he was in Vigneault's doghouse when he was – when he was there because like man you saw him play for other teams like you saw him play for minnesota later played pretty well yeah it was all right yeah Yeah. um that's a good one so that's my florida panthers special d-line my second pairing my third pairing uh you already made a comment about it brian allen really yeah man no i'll tell you why i'll tell you why High draft pick, really high draft pick. I was worried you were going to put him on this list. Very high draft pick. Turned out to be a very competent NHLer, but while he was on the Canucks, the development took so long that when he finally became that player that everybody wanted him to be, we fucking traded him. Yeah. And that, that to me, is my issue. It's not that he's a bad player. It's that it just took him so long to get there, and that frustrated the shit out of me. I think you're being a little hard on him, though. You can't be mad at a defenseman to... To develop, you gotta give him. Time I'm not to mad develop. at him. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated by the development, and this yeah. is like a team of players that frustrates you. Brian Allen was very close to the top in in my list of defensemen. I know he was. That's like saying to Ed, like Edler's on this this list too, and Edler's not a bad player by any stretch, but yeah. he's frustrating, right? I think you can put those two guys in the same category. All right, uh, and then my I final hate Mike Weaver more. <laughs> my final defenseman is Michael Delzato. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, dude, he showed so well last year 
when he first arrived for the first month in October, he was an absolute beast, and he hasn't done anything since then, especially in his own end. He's been horrible in his own end. He makes bad good. penalties. Um, yeah, do you, do you I just remember, think the team's better off without him. Do you remember his, like, coming out party? I think it was, like, 2010. Yeah. And he was playing for the Rangers. For the Rangers. And Don Cherry was like, this guy's the next big thing. Yeah. Look at all these offensive plays he makes. He was a stud. Yeah. Yeah. But that was one season. Yeah. Right? Season. And then he started falling off. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go to goaltending. Dan Cloutier, my number one, 100%. Yeah. For all the reasons you said. <laughs> uh, my backup's a little different. Felix Potvin. And I'll tell you what. Felix Potvin, when he was on Toronto. Yeah. Like, everybody thought he was the greatest thing since sliced well, bread. Had the cool mask. Yeah. Made some big saves. The he Western the Conference cat. Final in 94 between the Canucks and Toronto probably wouldn't have even been as close as it was if it wasn't for Pavan. And then he comes over here, and he's just, okay. He's fine. He's under 900% save, under 900 save percentage career with the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, he didn't really put him in too much of a chance to win. And with a name, he had that cachet, the, still that name when we got him. And he didn't live up to the expectations. I of, feel like uh, Gar Snow had the same Canucks thing. Fans. Yeah, 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 that's a fair point about Gar yeah. Snow. And I, yeah, you're right, though. Felix Potvin did come in, and he logged a lot of time on yeah. this team. He did. I saw him play when I was in San Jose. Owen Nolan carved him up pretty nicely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Felix Potvin. For, for the namesake, I guess so. Yeah. I think both of these teams are pretty good. We have a lot of similarities, and I think we're both going to be living in limbo for not getting that draft pick and uh, also not going to the playoffs anytime soon. These are frustrating teams. Yeah. I do love the David Booth, and I do love the Peter Nedved. Well, thank you, Art. Uh, but do they are they more frustrating than Cody Hodgson and Brad Isfister? <laughs> can we can we call a tie? Can we call them equally yeah. frustrating? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I like how there's how much difference there are between you know and. I mean, Josh Holden made my team, and he didn't make your team. But there's yeah. quite a bit of difference on our for- in our forwards, which yeah. I knew was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, also, my coach is Willie. Coach is Willie. Yeah, yeah. deployment yeah. for deployment specifically. Yeah, you know, great guy. Deployment's just ridiculous. You know, the coach that we definitely could have put in there was Mike Keenan as yeah. well, just because he and Messier were a tag team. On ruining this franchise. Yeah. I think Crawford, right. too, at times, for being a bit of a hothead, um, you know, you could put him in there. Like, great, great well, coach, but, like, man, well, some can, of those games. Torts is the same. Yeah, you can yeah. Do the Torts same for sure. Yeah. The guy ran into an opposing team's locker room. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. few coaches we could have put on this list yeah. for sure. But, uh, yeah. No, that was fun. Yeah, that's our all-frustrating Canuck team. If you have an all-time, and I know you do, have an all-time frustrating Canucks team, please send it to between the stammers at gmail.com or you can uh, tweet it. Yeah, at Curbman23 or at Art Aronson on Twitter. Hit us up because we want to hear them because I'm sure you have a diamond in the rough out yeah. there, a player that just pissed you off. I, had, no I had a buddy last name. He couldn't put it, he couldn't even put a team together, but he was just throwing names at me, man. <laughs> like he threw like 70 names at me. 70. And then some of the guys, I was like, no, man, he was good. Like he's like, Trent Clatt. I'm like, no, what? Trent Clout was great. Like what? he was an awesome player. He was you know? part. Yeah, he was part of the Sedin's upbringing. No, yeah, you can't. He you helped can't raise those guys. Yeah, you can't do. Yeah, that. yeah. No, I mean he was like a poor man's Martin Jelinas. That's what Trent Clout was. I would. I wouldn't even say poor man. I thought he was a great player. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Okay, so spent. we went. Yeah, we went over the Canucks. We went over. Um, our all-frustrating team. Anything else you wanted to uh, throw out there, Curb? Oh, buddy, I just got a submission. Hot off the presses. No. Yeah, from Brad. As we are doing our all-frustrating yeah. team, this guy. Yeah. Brad. Brad. Hot it. off the presses. You want to hear it? I want to hear his team of geese. Okay, his, his all-gee team. <laughs> First line, Louis Erickson, Matt Sundin. Oh, what? Mark Messier. Yeah, he's loading up. He's loading. He doesn't care about position. He's loading up. So Louis Erickson, Matt Sundin, Mark Messier. His second line is Peter Nedved, Richie. Oh. So you and him have some similarities. And Cody Hodgson. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So Atta there you boy. go. You guys get along with each other there. A lot of geese there. His uh, third line, Taylor Pyatt, Fedor Fedorov, oh. David Booth. 
Wow. He, yeah. He's, he's like between you and I. He might have the best team He here. knows his puck. Yeah. And then um, fourth line, I don't know if I agree with this one, Donald Brashear. You know, Donald Brashear flashed through my mind just because, yeah, he was a big, he was a big intimidating guy out there, but he was just a dumb hockey player, you know? Oh, man, he could fight. He's the best fighter we've ever had. Yeah. Okay, so Donald Brashear. Harold Drukin. Harold, I thought about the Drukes. I yeah. did, but I feel like he had, he had an okay run here. I thought he had an okay yeah. run here yeah. too. Yeah. And then his last one is Langdon, which is interesting. Langdon. Yeah. I mean, that guy's just a throwaway. Yeah, Whatever. That's I think a, so that's too. a forgettable name. Yeah, but I mean, I guess he disappointed Brad a little bit. I mean, you can throw him in there with like the Mark Schrenards of the world, the Magnus Arvidsons of the world. Just yeah. like whatever, throwaway guys, right? Yeah. And then on defense, Yannick Weber, who was so close to making my D team. Yeah. Definitely. Yannick Weber, Murray Barron is his first pairing. What? Yeah. Come on, guys. Murray Barron was a fantastic the shot, shot blocker. blocker. Yeah. Fantastic I know. I wouldn't blocker. put him on this list either. Yeah. He put his body on the line for this team. Um, his second pairing is Keith Ballard. Nice. And uh, Brookbank. Wade Brookbank. Yeah. That's not bad. Wade he, Brookbank. He did get a lot of run with this team and really didn't do a whole lot. But I think, like, he's, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Jason Strudwick as yeah. my. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Schneider and then Shane O'Brien is his uh, third pairing. Schneider. Oh, um, Matthew Schneider? Yeah. He did come here and was, like, supposed to be the the shot from the point, right? Yeah, again, but I... that was I, at the end I, of his career. I, and I also feel yeah. like it was a bit of a cup of coffee moment, right? Yeah, a cup it of coffee moment, yeah. yeah. Um, Shane O'Brien, he agrees with you on Attaboy. that one. Attaboy. SOB had a way of pissing you guess, off. Guess who he's got started goaltender? It's got to be Dan Cluche. John Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like Cheech has made up for it, though, in the in the, in the broadcast booth. Yeah, I agree, man. We we hear about, uh, you know, Kraft Peanut Butter on the celery and all that sort of stuff when we get the feature products. I like John Garrett. I think he's very affable. Um, he's, but, a yeah. like, he's a likable guy. Hey, man, as know? a starting goaltender with this lineup, though, these this team's probably in that purgatory as well. His backup, Dan Kluge. <laughs> <laughs> what does that tell you that yeah. Dan Kluge can't start on his all-frustrating team? I know. And then, uh, and then he went with Keenan as a head coach. Yeah. So nice submission by Brad there. Thanks for uh, getting that out to us. Nice. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Clutch move, Brad, with the all-gee team. Uh, I think we're going to call that a pod, though, uh, Caleb Kirby. Oh, anything else you say about the Vancouver Canucks this week? No, man. I'm just, I just hope to see this win streak continue. I think they've been playing some really good hockey. Yeah, keep her going with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser. Give us the good stuff, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Between the Towers.